The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling, is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, welcome into another episode of Story World. Steve here, your boy Al. What's up, man? I'm excited about tonight's discussion, Stan. That's how I am. I I am excited, too. It's going to be a good one. We are talking about the parable of the talents tonight. The parable of the talents. One of the best parables in the Bible. One of the, probably one of the longest. It's really long. It, it is. Uh, I think it probably is the longest one that we've covered. One of the um, first ones we did was kind of longer, too. Especially compared to our last one. I think our last one was two verses, maybe three. Yeah, I think, I think it was, it was two, two verses. verses. And so, so. this one um, is a lot longer. In fact, um, I guess just kind of diving into it a little bit, um, not only is it a long parable, but it's kind of in the middle or towards the tail end of one of Jesus's long um, speeches. Um, yeah. Actually, if, you, if you're looking at your Bible, if you follow along, or if you just want to take my word for it, that's fine too. If you go back to the previous chapter, it's just all Jesus answering the disciples' questions. They just simply ask him about the end times, I believe. And I think he goes on a string of close to six to ten parables, just back to back to back. And so I don't know if he's getting yeah. at this point or, or what, but uh, Jesus continues on with another long one here with the talents. Yeah, it's as if it's as if he uh, didn't think he was confusing enough leading up to, you know, in through all talking at the end time. So he threw in some parables to make sure we were real confused. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, fortunately, us in the, uh, us living in the year 2023, this is the end time, Steve. So we know that. Yes. N- yes. Objectively. So, yes. I have this, <laughs> I have this book on my shelf, literally. It says, are we living in the end times? And it probably says yes. And it was probably, and it probably says no. <laughs> it was written in like the 90s. So, you know, anyway, we're just kind of always in the end times. That's a good eschatology joke. So anyway, um, yeah, kind of crazy. Um, so I think this is going to be a, a good one. This is an interesting parable. I'll be honest. I'm happy about this one because uh, it's really not that hard to grasp it's actually a fairly simple and easy parable to get a hold of whereas some of them are a little bit more um uh difficult so this one is a um it is an interesting uh parable it's definitely uh dave ramsey approved it talks a lot about investing and all of that although yeah. um i don't know there's some interesting stuff so for the most part easy to understand but an interesting parable and i'm excited to talk about it with you yeah i agree i think uh kind of going hand in hand with it being simple to understand is it means it's very applicable. Um, I think we all can kind Correct. of read it and understand, okay, here's how we can easily apply this to our life and several aspects that we'll, that we'll discuss. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, instead of reading the whole thing, we have sort of like a uh, short-ish, you know, description here. It's a little bit longer. Um, do you want to read it? Should I read it? Yep. I'll go ahead and read it. It's a, uh, it's okay. a pretty one um so the parable tells the story of a master oh it 
It is in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. They don't want to mm-hmm. read themselves. Preamble tells the story of the master who entrusts his three servants with talents, a significant sum of money, while he goes away on a journey. To the first servant, he gives five talents, to the second, two, and to the third, one, each according to his ability. The first servant doubles his money by investing the five talents and gains five more. The second servant does likewise with his two talents, gaining two more. The third servant, fearing his master's wrath, hides his talent in the ground, returning only what was given to him. Upon the master's return, he rewards the first two servants for their initiative and faithfulness, inviting them to share in his joy. However, he condemns the third servant for his laziness and lack of initiative, taking the talent from him and giving it to the one who has his talents, who has ten talents. The master concludes by saying, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even even what he has will be taken away. Side note, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is where, this is where to who much is given, much is required comes from. And then from there, uh, he who has uh, whatever great, great, great power comes with great responsibility. So I think we just connected the Bible to Spider-Man. You're welcome. <laughs> it's uh, Spider-Man is a religious film. Well, that's it's, it's essentially the episode of the Story World podcast <laughs> and probably the entire podcast. It's been a fun ride. Uh, this whole show. Uh, yeah, no, but uh, it all, uh, it's, it's interesting. It all comes back to one ancient book of wisdom, you know? So, uh, so anyway, all true statements. So uh, a great parable. I did just look up and uh, found out. Thank you, ChatGPT, for the, for the little uh, hat, hat tip there. Um, uh, I did just find out that a parable uh, would have been worth somewhere on the order today of several tens of thousands to potentially, yeah, a huh? A, a talent? Did yeah. I say a parable? Yeah. A parable is <laughs> a parable is worth a thousand words. Uh, words. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> yes, okay. a talent. Anyway, a talent because it was again a unit of money. Um, probably. Let's see. Yeah, like around 75 pounds, potentially, in the Hebrew understanding of a talent. Um, and it would be the equivalent, or at least it might be the equivalent, of about 15 to 20 years of wages for a laborer, or about 6,000 um, denarii. And a single denarius was usually the daily wage for a laborer. So that's really interesting. This was definitely a large sum of money that we're talking about here in the life of these people. That is a lot. It's a, a be a, it, it kind of puts into perspective a little bit the servant who kind of got afraid and hid his talent. If you look at it just from the financial terms, this servant was obviously very um, like risk averse, risk averse, yeah, and really did not want to squander or lose it. This is for fear of uh, his master, and so he ended up hiding it. Um, it's interesting. The parable doesn't give an example of say someone that he gave two talents to and then this person tried to make more money from it or more talents and then lost it all i wonder what would have happened in that scenario where someone makes an attempt and then is unsuccessful with it i wonder if that's insinuating that um granted this is applicable too with like gifts that you have too but financially you know the gifts and natural talents that you have I wonder uh, if that's kind of alluding to that, like, no, whatever um, gifts, abilities you have, whatever, like, money you have, um, if you make that effort, then something will come of it. And if something it's almost like an embedded promise, almost, 
Um, I'm not probably just reading into it, but it's just weird. It's just kind of interesting that that's an excluded um, option. Yeah. 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 Well, I think certainly, and especially if, like if you read through the Proverbs, you sort of get this is, is the Bible is like really balanced on this point. Like very clearly there is, um, it is a, it is good to invest. It is good to make more of what you have, right? It is good to be a disciple who makes more disciples. It is good to have, um, you know, uh, five talent and gain five more with it, you know? So it's it's definitely good to have at least some measure of risk, right? Some measure of putting yourself out there. But if I'm honest, I definitely agree, um, or not agree, but uh, identify with the dude who put one talent in the ground. I mean, I can be very, very risk averse at times. And I think sometimes um, it'd be fair to say that that has probably hindered aspects of my spiritual walk. It's probably hindered aspects financially for me, um, right? Where it's like, I, I, maybe I should have made an investment that I decided not to because I was too nervous about it. And so while certainly in some things I have taken those risks, there have been lots of times where I haven't. Yeah, I, I think we've we've all been there and, and through all different stages of life. Obviously, um, maybe to a larger extent, well, not even because it, it talks about the varying levels that people have. Um, so one got five talents and the last one got one that hit it. So it doesn't matter the level of financial resources you have or the limited, if you th- believe you have limited abilities that you have, that you can't do at least something with those resources that you've been given. Right. Yeah. 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 100%. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's interesting. And I, I, one of the things about this a parable that frankly has always kind of confused me at least a little bit was the fact that like, the, like the word, the English translation word here is talent. And like, we often mean it like, like we can very, we can kind of literally say the modern English word talent, like that's kind of what we mean, you know, it's like a talent, like something to be used for the Lord rather than just saying, oh, this is a unit of, of money. Um, right. There's kind of like more to it. So I thought, I always thought that was kind of an interesting connection. It's one of those things too, where hey, I, I, reading this it's obviously talking about fi- financially um here the example is dealing in units of of money um it's so it, even though we can apply it to others or a life like uh, the talent how we understand it, our gifts abilities but um it really kind of resetting your mind it really is talking about um a financial focus obviously the application mm-hmm. applied to other stuff but a lot of times i feel like that we overlook it and go straight what what you were saying straight to the ability section versus first coming with it with a mindset of yeah. okay, here's the finances and money that I have and and what can I do to you know better even increase my resources by by this many fold or you know however smart decisions to do with your money yeah and that's another thing where it's like again people kind of treat the Bible as if it's some like you know woo woo ancient book of, of philosophy you know written by whatever goat herders or whatever but the reality is is that there's a lot about just our daily life and daily experience that the parable speaks to um or that and that the bible as a whole uh speaks to and um like it really is uh, this is one of the kind of those themes that i keep coming back to is like it's a good idea to do what the bible says almost always <laughs> even if you're not <laughs> yes. even if you're not a christian right even if you don't believe the spiritual teachings um it it's like it's a really good idea just to like to do life, to do business, um, the Bible's way. All right. So, yeah, um, 
I there's another aspect of this parable that I want to kind of go to that I think is kind of um, kind of interesting because one of the things that we do a lot is compare ourselves to other people. Mm -hmm. I actually recorded a podcast about this for um, one of my shows, and um, because it's one of the most deadly things, and there's even like a trap in comparing yourself to who you want to be in the future. Like there's a, a great book called The Gap in the Game um, by Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy. And it talks about this idea that like the, the people who end up being the highest achievers are focused on the game, like how much better they are today than they were 10 years ago or five years ago or one year ago or even yesterday. Whereas people who just never quite seem to get traction are those who are just always focused on what they want and they're never content like they're never able to act or live out of contentment and that's a trap that we could fall into so comparing yourself to um an unreasonable expectation of yourself and or comparing yourself to others and i think that makes it really interesting in both the financial frankly and the sort of uh, diligence uh areas that it specifically says that each one was given according to his ability um and so the expectations that were in place by the master was according to their ability to be able to uh, do, you know, to be able to accomplish the um, the task. And so what that suggests is that the person who squandered um, the opportunity had the ability, to, like it was within his power to make good on this. And so he lost an opportunity that was well within his his grasp to be able to do because of that fear of that risk or, or just whatever you want to, you want to think about. So I think that's really, really interesting that um, sometimes we talk ourselves out of doing something that we ha have been given all power and authority and ability to do. Um, and that's a shame. Yeah. It's um, it's looking, it's not looking at, if you will, because a, a story term, it's not looking at the payoff at the end of it. You're looking instead on the, the temporal and like we used to in, in comparison, what, so if you look at what the parable sends, it, um, the master representation of, of Jesus it has the same exact response to both servants he said, you will be master of many things, you know, come and mm -hmm. share my joy or whatever it is. But it's literally the same exact response for both. He doesn't say to, he doesn't say to the one, wow, like you're going to, you know, be like a, like a king in my courts or whatever. And the other one, oh, wow, nice. You get to, you know, like view in and, you know, have a nice, you know, little place yes. to flavor. And, you know, it's not, it's not two totally different things. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's the same thing. Now, obviously, there might be some specificities that uh, that kind of um, you know that that come to fruition with it. But overall, they're both rewarded. Yeah. They're both loved, and they're both you know, um, they're both praised for what they've done with the talents that they have. Correct. Yeah, like the two talent guy was not expected to go out and gain five. Yeah, right? and and not like and not diminished because you know he didn't do so. Um, it was like he, he like, and, and if you think about it, they, what they both did was double their money, right? They both, they both doubled their money. So like in, in one sense, they accomplished the same thing, even though the amounts were different. And this leads to like, um, another, I don't think it's a, a parable. It's not a parable. It's, it's, uh, it's in the context of a, of an event that actually happened. But, um, there's a, a story in the Bible that we refer to as like the widow's two mites or whatever, where he was like standing around with this group of Pharisees and talking to them and everybody was going and putting their offerings in the collection plate. And this widow who had nothing, you know, comes up and like the, the, the two little pieces of whatever she did have, she put in. And Jesus's remark was that, was that she gave more than anybody because basically she gave out of her sacrifice. She gave out of, out of 
she gave everything that she had, whereas everybody else gave just a little bit of what they had. And so um, definitely an interesting story that it's not about who gives the most, who does the most, who produces the most. It's, it's really about faithfulness and about um, doing um, about, about what risks you take, about what sacrifices you make and about, um, about, you know, how, how responsible you are with those things that you have been given to do and tasked to do and that you are able to do. So yeah. it's a great story. Yeah. We can't be worrying about the things we can't do because we don't have the resources to do it. Like from yeah. a financial perspective, you s hear that someone in your church or wh whoever donated a car to a family in need, like that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And yep. you might be down on yourself thinking, wow, I, 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 I just cannot give to that level because I don't, I don't have the resources for that. Right. You can kind of get discouraged by seeing other people do great things like that when we can just be looking at, well, what can I do? And that's really mm -hmm. the only thing that does matter. Yeah. And see, like the, that there's this whole thing with that where you don't even get in the game, right? Like you sit on the bench, you sit on the sideline. So it's like you're, you're envious because you, couldn't okay. gift that family the car but it's like did you even put 50 dollars in the offering plate you know yeah. what i mean like did you even do that and so it's like is it is, does it really all or nothing is it a car well what's so special about cars why not buildings or houses or businesses or whatever like why like again it's it's all arbitrary and so when we don't and, and i think the point and this is this point is made in various ways in various times throughout the bible but um the the point is is that when God sees you being faithful in the things that you do have, again, that is the exact point of this story. When he sees you being faithful in what you do have, then he gives you the opportunity to, again, demonstrate that you can be faithful once you have more. And um, that is true across finance, you know, uh, ta actual talents, abilities, skills, et cetera. It can really affect us too in the, in the talents and ability section where, especially just with, how people, and it's kind of natural, but just how like people are praised with um, what they do in their respective field. So I'll give an example for both mm. you and I. Um, I know it's not your core focus, but it is a focus of yours, Steve. It, you have your YouTube channel, The Whimsical Creationist. Um, you could look at something like Answers in Genesis and think, well, I could never build, for lack of a better term, like empire or business that big. So why would I even try to get into that field? It doesn't really matter in the end. And then just not do it. But that's not really going full speed with the abilities and talents and resources that you have been given and the drive that you've been given. Same token on my side, I could look at Brandon Sanderson and say, well, gee, I'm never going to like be as famous as, as him in writing. Like, I don't really get what the point is. He has, you know, all these people that follow him. I don't really understand, you know, why I would even like try to like put forth that much effort where yeah. you're. I, I never will get up to that level, but why can't I get to the level that I am capable of? <laughs> and sure. so, and it's like that with everything. I, I tend, I think that we get really discouraged sometimes. And that's when we have to kind of, this goes to another side, but have to turn from a consumer mindset to a creator mindset and just doing what Yeah, that's right. Well, it's one step in front of the other. I mean, who says that you couldn't be greater one day? Like, let me, let me no, give you, like, uh, let me give you um, a really good example. Um, I'm glad you brought up the, um, the thing about my podcast, because it's actually like something I needed to, on a personal level, tell you about anyway, that's kind of yeah, cool. Cover and it. so I might as well just, uh, this is story world, right? I'm allowed to share a story for a minute. Yes. So just really, really cool. And it's a perfect illustration of this parable, I think. So 
Um, I recently went to the International Conference on Creationism, um, which is basically just a research conference for nerds who are interested in exploring uh, science from a biblical worldview. And um, uh, Alex mentioned a group that uh, out of Kentucky called Answers in Genesis. They are the behemoth in this space. They are a large nonprofit that has um, what I understand to probably be some for-profit subsidiaries under them. They have theme parks, attractions. Like uh, they're literally in the in the ultimate in the ultimate irony. They, they have, have an Australian. They they have to do. They do have an Australian, and they are literally building a tower of Babel right now. Now, if that's not the most ironic thing I've ever heard in my life, that they are building a tower of Babel, but they are. As long so, as they don't go too high. As long as they don't go too high, man. Bless God. Um, and yeah. so, um, what is interesting? Uh, what is interesting? Is and I, I want to be careful with you know too much uh, defamation or anything here. Um, but suffice it to say, I happen to know that they make a lot of money per year. They bring in by, from donors and everything. Like they, they and it takes a lot of money to, for their operation to run. They bring in a lot of money per year. And I just happen to know for a for a concrete fact that they contribute very little of that money to actual creation research. Right. So like again, this whole field relies on research funding um to be able to like get the scientific data to even like be able to have theme parks and attractions and amusements where like you're trying to educate people on science from a biblical worldview you can't do that without the research and um and so they have a couple researchers on their staff but that's about it they don't really contribute to science to creationist research outside of that so um i'm at this conference and i have this thought well you know, I'm not a scholar. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to be. Um, and so, but I know how to build a website and I'm a business guy and I, I know how to think bigger than my wallet and my current abilities. And uh, so that's kind of interesting. Well, over the years um, here, just, you know, it's been since 2017 uh, that I started doing this. I have made some connections with people um, over that time uh, to where um, I am at least known like, 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 if they don't know me personally, they've seen my stuff or whatever among, you know, some of the m most important people in that whole space, in that movement, people who are moving and shaking and able to get things done. So I had, I can't say the name of the group or, or anybody involved, but, um, I had a meeting, uh, two days ago. It was a two hour long meeting with some, with some, uh, very important big players in that space. Um, and it looks like we're going to potentially get to work together on a project to create a crowdfunding website, think Kickstarter slash mm -hmm. GoFundMe, for um, creation research to to actually take on the giant, if you will. Not to like head-to-head yeah. head compete. It's not about that. But to say like, okay, look, well, when you give your money there, it's a good – I'm not saying you shouldn't give your money there, but you might not actually be funding what you think you're funding. Whereas mm -hmm. here, like – you can see very transparently where your money is going, et cetera. And so we're, so the irony is, is that even though I'm a nobody, I literally have 149, I'm trying to get to 150, right? I have 149 YouTube subscribers, right? I'll create and, an account after this. So you don't worry. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Please do. <laughs> right. So it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm like, you know, some big person in this space, but like I've, I've done the work. I've been behind the scenes. I've made the connections. Um, 
I'm literally just doing what I know how to do. Within my abilities, I know how to put together a website. I know how to structure um, you know, deals for that kind of thing uh, because of my business background. And it's something that it looks like, Lord willing, I'm going to get to do. And um, how cool is that? Again, so I may not be answers in Genesis, but like I am now in this position where I'm going to get to make a very significant impact, even if somewhat indirectly, that's totally fine. Like I'll be behind the scenes a little more, totally fine. Um, but, you know, be implementing this system and, and ultimately have had the idea for mm. this system that will uh, be a make a major, major impact in that space, Lord willing. And so that's just a perfect example of how like the only thing that you can do is do what you can do with what you know how to do and with what you have been given and then watch God turn that into whatever he wants to. Um, and if that becomes bigger than Answers in Genesis one day, which I hope it does, fantastic. If it doesn't, fine. It's not going to be judged by how big it was or how whatever relevant it was to Answers in Genesis. It's going to be judged by what we did. And um, were we faithful with the resources that we had? And I think the answer to that is yes. And so I think the sky's the limit on where it could go. So I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I think it illustrates this exactly. When you open up, uh, before you open up crowdfunding, uh, let me know if you're looking for an angel investor because I really want to make some make some big buckaroos off of this thing, Steve. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> big buckaroos. I don't know. There are no, other than that one organization, I don't know, but there are uh, big buckaroos in creationism. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's crazy. Perfect. All right, Steve, that's yeah. all uh, the thoughts I have. I don't know about you. Cool, yeah. Let's uh shall we move on to stories of the week? Let's do it. Um, we need like a bumper for this, but you know, some sort of like you know, some flashies and anyway. I think that was perfect enough. You can just do that here. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. So uh my story of the week. Um I just watched a documentary. I think it's been on Netflix for a little bit. Um Port of Port of France Unchained. Um, mm. I've always liked watching the tour. I really got like super into the technicalities of it or like really looking into the cycling and all. But um, I forget the name of the company that does it. It's on Netflix. I forget the name of the company that made the document, but it is fantastic. Um, does a just a great job of um, building up um, the races, showing the individual effort of uh, of the cyclists, um, how it all works. Um, just a, an amazing documentary. And I think that they're coming out they're making one from this past year too of the Tour de France. So I think they're planning on coming out every year. I think it's the same company too they made. I just started watching it. I could be confused. Maybe it's a different company, but it seems like this similar setup. Um, they made a uh, F1 documentary on Netflix and that has five seasons. That started like five or six years ago. And so, um, yeah, I just really highly recommend it. Um, it's really good. Awesome. Cool. So, um, Mine is, uh, my story of the week is Shut Up and Listen. Um, so it is a business book uh, written by a guy named Tillman Fertitta. And Tillman is out of Houston, Texas. He owns the Houston Rockets. Um, he owns Landry's, uh, Rainforest Cafe, uh, the Golden Nugget, like a bunch of different casinos and restaurant chains. Um, he is on like the Forbes 400 list, like the 135th richest person in America or something like that. And he is like this super down home, like country boy, Texas billionaire who's just really smart with the basics, right? And so he wrote this book called Shut Up and Listen. I didn't know what to expect. It was actually really, really good. Um, in that, like in the way where like, you literally feel like you literally feel like you're sitting 
in a parlor with your ultra rich uncle. And he's like, forget about all this stuff. He's like, just do this, right? Um, like one of his, I'll just share one thing, right? Like one of his big concepts is like the 95-5 rule, he calls it. And he's like, most like the success or failure of most businesses isn't in the 95%, right? So we have a I have a web design business, right? Okay, like the success or failure of my business is probably not in the web design, right? Cause like, like you're not gonna be in business at all as a web designer if you don't have some credentials like you know what i mean like we might not have the best web team ever although i'm pretty partial i think we do a great job but like like we're probably not going to fail there like even if we weren't as good as we were we're probably not going to fail there and i know that's true because before we had a team it was just me and i'm not the greatest designer and we weren't failing um right so it, it's not um it's not in that it's in the five percent not the 95 percent. it's in the five percent it's in the how fast are you answering the phone What's your customer experience like? Do you pay attention to the small details? Do you admit when stuff gets messed up? You know what I mean? Like it's those, it's that five percent of stuff that separates most businesses, right? And that's just that's just one example. There's a bunch of he calls them Tillmanisms in there, um, and there's just a bunch of these like practical, down to earth things that are just like most people are worried about the flashy whiz bang stuff where what you need to be worried about is these basic fundamentals, like knowing your numbers, like not telling customers no. He's like, make a scrambled egg. It's like, don't tell them that your your breakfast kitchen closed five minutes ago. They know that's a lie. Throw the egg in the pan, charge them five extra dollars, and whatever. At least then they're happy. Like, do right. you know what I mean? Like, there, he says there are no spare customers, right? You can't afford to lose a customer. You just hate And um, just all that... All that stuff that it's like you really need to be reminded of. And it, it's just so nice coming from a guy who feels like you're, you know, your old rich uncle. Um, a cool little bonus addendum to that is he is the uh, third cousin of Lorenzo Fertitta, who was the CEO of the UFC, who actually like he and his mm -hmm. brother, um, Lorenzo and his brother, I forget his brother's name, uh, bought the UFC for like two million dollars or something crazy. Oh my gosh. I know. Can wow. you imagine that? Bought it, bought it for like two million. Gave Dana White ten percent and made him the president, right? And then spent forty eight million making the company into something. And then finally, it took off. And then their last, like when they sold the company, I think they sold it for four billion, four or five billion, or something like that. And then they, there was just another deal done with the UFC and the parent company with the WWE to bring those yeah. together. And that was a twenty billion dollar deal, twenty one billion dollar deal. So. Um, anyway, that was kind of a cool little nugget that, that they were sort of, um, uh, related, but I just appreciated how like, and you know, it just seems to be that way. I know my stories of the week are always so long. I'm sorry. It just always seems to be that like the most successful people are the ones who are thinking on like the, the, the foundational principle stuff, right? It's not the most successful people who like come out with a new marketing strategy each and every week. They're like, what are my numbers look like? How do I get the right people in this job? And like, what's the next thing? Like, one of his things he says is change, 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 right? So it's like, what's the next thing? Are you going to stay stuck in a rut? Or are you going to move to the next thing? Like, it's the people who are thinking about that who are ultimately successful. So shut up and listen. I highly recommend it. It was a great, great read. Uh, even though it's written in a very, like, humble, like, he's not an author, and right? you can tell it, and I love that. It's like, it just sounds like your old rich uncle teaching you how to life, so... Very good book. Shut up and listen. Worth a read for anybody who's in a management position or 
leading a business, you know, very good stuff. Uh, it's worthwhile to have an old rich uncle, especially if you're in the will. So that's true. That's true. It's my I, I uh, don't have one of those, depending on your definition of rich. Definitely not that rich. So anyway. <laughs> All, right, Steve, the... <laughs> All right. All right. All well, right. See you next time. See you next time. Share the podcast. Like it. Heart it. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. All that. God bless.